Take your Bibles and turn to Psalms, chapter 100, the 100th Psalm, and verses 3 through 5. I actually preached this sermon back in 1994. How many remember it? Okay. All right. Well, I just wanted to find out, okay? <clears throat> and the ones that raise their hand, you come forward at the invitation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's easy for me to forget. That's why I use outlines and things of that nature. You know, after you turn 70, things change. And I went to the gym the other day. And when you look around, everybody looks different than you. So I got into the gym clothes. Everybody was wondering, who's the guy in the retro 1930s gym clothes? Okay. But I got into gym clothes and I saw those machines there and I saw a trainer and I said, what machine do I need to work on? I really want to impress my beautiful wife. He said, uh, go out front and use the ATM machine. I hate that, Jim. Okay. Psalm 100, verses 3 through 5. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gate, into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. And bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. Now shall we pray. Father, uh, I ask, Lord, that you'd rebuke the devil. But I also want to say I want to thank you for what you're going to do in this message. Because it is your word. And your word does not return void. So help us to rightly divide the word and what I cannot do, which is much that I can't do. You can do so much more. So I pray that you do that through your spoken word today in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. It is interesting to watch modern TV and you see a family gathered around the table at a Thanksgiving time and they state something for which they are thankful and usually it's only some kind of a sentimental thing or a material thing that they're giving thanks for. Uh, you don't hear a spiritual thing being mentioned. As a matter of fact, they don't have prayer for the food or give thanks to God. As a matter of fact, that has, you have to go back about 30 or 40 years ago and watch a program that had that in it. And they've pretty well erased that. It seems that unless it's Eastern mysticism and humanistic religious things, uh, the things about the Lord Jesus Christ cannot be said. There's no thankfulness for the salvation that he provides. But you know what? In reality, that's the way the world thinks. So why should we think like the world? We belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So why would they thank the Lord? How can you thank the Lord for something you don't have? If you don't have Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can't thank Him for salvation. And that's the most important thing in your life. 
Doesn't matter how much you attain in this life. If you don't receive him before you die, then I can tell you by the word of God, by its authority, that hell is your eternal destiny with no escape. So with that thought in mind, I want you to look to our text. And we first see, know the Lord. He is God. In verse 3. What does that mean to mankind? Know the Lord that he is God. We well, see, he is almighty God. As almighty God, that means that he made us, that he is the creator, the almighty God. And my friend, <clears throat> excuse me, knowing God calls <clears throat> for the believer to believe his word, not man's. You've got to make a choice whether you believe man or God. In John chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on his name, which were born. Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. So what does he mean by that? You're not born a Christian, not of blood. I was born, my family is Christian, so I'm a Christian. No. The world thinks that way, but no, you're not a Christian. You're not saved. You're not born saved. The Bible says that we're conceived in iniquity. So you're not born saved. It's not of blood, nor the will of the flesh. You cannot work for it. You cannot earn it. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. So you can't earn it. Nor of the will of man. It's not a philosophy. Even a religious philosophy, not of man's science that is falsely so-called as First Timothy chapter 6 verse 20 uh, says it. It is solely of God, this salvation that we get. In Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, you'll hear it throughout Christmas time in various venues where it says, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. You know what I like about that verse? Every word of God is God breathed. He breathed out every word. Okay. So God told us what he meant when he said God with us. Emmanuel. He told us. By that, I mean God with us. Jesus was God come in the flesh. Now, there are people that get out there and say, no, no, and, and he didn't come here to die for the sins of the whole world, just for certain people here. No. When God says he came to die for the world, he came to die for the world. But he gave men a free will to decide whether they want to accept that or reject it. Unfortunately, too many reject it. To believe he is God with us is very important because it's it's involved in the saving of your soul. Believing that Jesus is God. So I don't accept that. Well, if you don't, then you're not saved. Not because I say so, but that's the word of God. So therefore, believing that he hath made us and not we ourselves, we accept him by faith. In God's word. In other words, to receive him, 
you're taking Almighty God at His word. It's just like the wedding where that groom says, to thee only, and I do. That's a life commitment. When she says, to thee only, till death do us part, that is a life commitment. That's the commitment you're making when you come to Christ. It's not just believing the fact. I believe that if we had a bunch of logs up here, poured gasoline on it, and then lit it, a fire come up, I believe that that fire could burn me if I put my hand in it. I believe that. Okay. But I'm not putting my hand in that fire. You can sincerely believe that Jesus came, got in the flesh, and died for him, rose from the dead, but you're not in, really going to enter that relationship and receive him as Savior. You're not saved even though you believe the facts. The Bible says the devils believe and tremble. If the devils believe it and they're not saved, then how do you think you're going to be saved if you don't believe it? We accept God by His Word. We accept Christ by faith in God's Word. He created us. We believe that. This world did not evolve. You say, well, is that important to believe? Well, 1 Peter 1.23 says this, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It's his word that lets us know that he set the course of the stars. It is his word that lets us know that he sets the bounds of the rivers and the oceans. It is his word that lets us know that he holds the winds in his fist. That's his word. Job. Well, we've heard of the trials of Job. Great Thanksgiving Christ uh, subject, isn't it? The trials of Job. But Job went through it. You know, Job didn't curse God. He didn't sin because of what God did. Even with everybody against him, he, he stayed true, but he didn't understand why God was allowing this to happen. People saying, yeah, you've done some sin and He's already reviewed and he realizes, no, that's not it. And so finally, when he's talking to his friends, he says, oh, if I could just talk to God, I would want to know what he's doing this. Why is it going on? I don't deserve this. And boy, I mean, he was just going on and on about it. Finally, get to Job 38. God says, okay. Okay. He says, verses three through uh, six. Gird up now thy loins like a man. For I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? You see, Job is now speechless. The holy, almighty God says, okay. You want to reason with me as a man? Well, where were you when I created all of this? Where were you when I made everything right? Everything was holy and man corrupted it. And you're part of the corruption. Where wast thou, Job? 
And Job realizes, why did I open my big mouth? And he admits to God, I'm vile. You know, that's one thing when you get a look at the holiness of God, you'll realize how vile you are. Sometimes we look at men, we even look at other Christians, we say, I'm pretty good. But if you get a look at God through his word and his person, you'll realize, oh, I'm just an old sinner that needs a savior. But understand, he also created us. So is that important for us to believe that? Oh, yeah. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God and all things, all things. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's what God says. Now, if I can't believe him on that, then how can I, in the world, can I believe what he says about salvation? Verse 10, he says, and the world was made by him. Okay, God with us. Now he's here. And the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. You think about that. Here's the creator, and they don't want to believe that he was God. You mean I got to believe that he created the heaven and the earth and that he was God come to flesh? Only if you want to go to heaven and not to hell forever. Well, that doesn't save my soul. No, his, his penalty, paying your penalty on the cross and raising from the dead paid the, that when the Father poured out all the wrath of God on his human spirit. But how do you accept him as an acceptable sacrifice if you don't believe his word that he is God come in the flesh? And so the question comes down is do you trust God? Evolution is a continuing changing theory. Creation is immutable. It never changes. So it comes down to this. Do you trust man or do you trust God? You've got to decide where your trust is. Because he is God and sovereign. And let me stop right there. You hear people talk about the sovereignty of God. Well, that sounds impressive, doesn't it? The sovereignty of God. And have no idea what they're talking about. But it does sound good. The sovereignty of God is really defined very simply. It is God's right to do whatever he wants with that which is his. As creator, all things are his. So God can do whatever he wants with this creation. He can do whatever he wants with you. He's the creator. He is God. Come in the flesh. That's why in the Bible it tells us that there is only one potentate. Now, I know Rome has their popes, but that's not a potentate. That's something less. Much less. In 1 Timothy 6, 15, it says, which in his time, speaking of Jesus, he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You see, we are saved by God's grace through faith. In his blessed name. In his time. Is referring to judgment. 
But you're saved by faith, by faith in his sacrifice, by grace through faith. You know why that the devils can't be saved? They've seen God. They can't have faith because they've seen him. Once you see him, it's no longer faith. One day, there's no longer going to be faith for you and me when we see his face. But until then, a person gets saved by faith. You take God at his word. You don't pick and choose. I take God at his word. And that's it. He's the only potentate. You say, well, what in the world does potentate mean anyway? I hear people say pope. It's potentate. What does it mean? It means absolute ruler. The pope before this one had the name pope. So how's he ruling today? He's not, he's dead. What about the one before him? He's not, he's dead. And the one that's there now, one day he's going to be dead. My Jesus lives and he's the only potentate. He's the only absolute ruler. He's the only one that has the power to be the absolute ruler. Wherefore, keep it in mind, Romans chapter 4, verse 12, uh, chapter 14, excuse me, Romans chapter 14, verse 12. So then, every one of us shall give an account of himself unto God. Not one of us are exempt from that. No one's exempt. Revelation 20, 14 and 15. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Keep it in your mind that one day you'll give an account before God. Then you'll know, as our text says, He is God. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. What's Jesus going to be called in Revelation 19 with the name on His vesture? Lord of Lords. He is God. It is He that has made us and not we ourselves. Yes, we've already mentioned that He is the Creator, but as an individual, you must also See that as a Christian, he must make you in your Christian life. In Romans 8, 28 and 29, we say, And for all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. But we often leave off verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his person, uh, of his dear son. Do you know who he's talking about? He's talking to saved, not to unsaved. Unsaved are not conformed to the image of his person. When you got saved, the Lord began to... Boy, you say, man, I got saved and things went worse. Yeah, the Lord's trying to get that junk out of your life and conform you to the image of Christ to prepare you for heaven. And so, that's the way he works. He's trying to conform us. He is the creator. So Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves you can't work for. It is the gift of God. For the wages of sin is death. That's what we've earned. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So verse 9 says, uh, 8 through 10 says, For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But then he doesn't stop there. So often we do, but he doesn't. The next verse. For we are his workmanship. I'm not my own workmanship. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Not walking in what I choose to do, walking in what God has called me to do. That is what I'm supposed to do. Okay? I've had people say, hey, Al, I'd love to teach. I feel like God wants me to teach sons. Don't give me little children. Oh, don't give me adults. Uh, don't give me young people. That's not the ones I want to do. But it may not be the ones God's called you to do. Well, I don't want to do that ministry. I don't like that. Well, maybe God's called you to do that you don't like. Look, look at Peter and Paul. Man, these guys hated the Gentiles. Paul becomes the missionary to the Gentiles, and Peter's the one that opens the gospel to the Gentiles. But before God got a hold of their heart, they would have hated that 100%. But they let the Lord have his will and weigh in them. In his making you to have a free will, allow him to make you. Have you ever heard about those that uh, like to brag and say, I'm a self-made man? Well, what we make is deplorable, despicable, and debauched. What we make of ourselves is worthy of the place where the fire ceases not, and the fire is not quenched, and the worm dieth not. There, there was a small town years ago. I don't know if it's a true story, but it was kind of told that way. So, But there's a small town many years ago. There's a man that didn't have a lot of education, but he had a lot of common sense. Sometimes common sense is much better than education. Okay. He had a lot of common sense, and he worked hard. And back in that day, he became a millionaire, which becoming a millionaire back in that day is a lot different than it is today. But he became a millionaire. And everybody said, oh, this is a self-made man. Everybody in town would say that about him. Well, a little granddaughter's born to him. By the time she's old enough, about four or five years old, old enough to talk, and she hears that. Your grandfather is a self-made man. She thought, wow. So one day she's with him. She says, Grandpa, are you a self-made man? I said, yes, I am, sweetie. Why'd you make yourself like that? But if you become a self-made person spiritually, it's much uglier than that. Let him work in your heart. Let him work in your soul. Let him do the work that needs to be done. If you're saved, but saved so as by fire, don't say you love God. Because you don't. You're saved, but not saved as the way that a Christian who is truly saved and loves God. You can call yourself saved, but you can't call yourself Christian because that's not Christ-like, you see. If heaven is your home, then, my friend, I would encourage you 
to prepare for that home. Because the day is coming that you'll give an account. You see, he says we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And that's great. But if you're not saved, you're not his sheep, you're his goats. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, Jesus was preaching in Matthew chapter 25, and he said, And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, and the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom of uh, kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Those are the saved. But what about the unsaved? Verse 41 of in that same sermon in Matthew 25, Jesus says, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. But what, you know what I find interesting about that last part? Prepared for the devil and his angels. He said about the sheep, that was prepared from the foundations of the world. But hell was only prepared for the devil and his angels. He didn't want men to go there. Men go there because they don't receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's why they go there. We've got, if you're saved, you've got more to be thankful for in this auditorium today than anybody that's walking in this world without Christ, even if they're a multi-billionaire. Because you've got Jesus. And by the way, the home that he's building for us will make what multi-billionaires live in now look like the downtrodden places of town in comparison. But when you think of that place, prepared for the devil and his angels, you know what that tells us? It's different than what TV tells you. There's a devil out there with a pitchfork, and they're, they're, they're tormenting you. No. It torments the devil. It torments the demons. That's why they said, don't send us there before the time to the Lord. It torments the super spirits. If it torments the super spirits and they cannot cease to exist and they can never finally pass away, the same is true for you. One thing you have is an eternal spirit. It's either going to live in heaven or it's going to live in hell. If it's in hell forever, then you're in eternal death because you're forever separated from God. If it's in heaven, you're in eternal life because you're with the one who is the giver of life. Not only know that he is the Lord, know secondly how to approach the Lord in verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Can you imagine? I'd call the White House today and that answer, I'd say, uh, look, uh, tell Donald I want to come up and eat with him on Tuesday. Oh, he's not there. Well, well, I'm going to stop by and just see him for a few minutes and uh, get a bite to eat. Tell him to have some iced tea for me. I'll see you later. Goodbye. That's not going to happen. You can do that with the president of the corporation of some company. But what you know what I can do? I can go to the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, and talk to him every day freely. So to choose between the two, I'd be stepping down to speak to any president. Any any king outside of Jesus Christ? 
It'd be a step down. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it lets you know that you can do that. If Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 has been used so often to talk to unsaved about getting saved. And I can see how people would apply that, but actually it was addressed to a local church. It, it's, a lack, it, it's addressed to saved people. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, <clears throat> and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and will sup with him. And he with me. I can come in at any time and talk to him. However, there is something that might stop that from happening for a child of God. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I'm unwilling to repent, I'm willing, unwilling to give up a sin, don't expect answers to your prayer. Jesus healed ten lepers, one turn to give thanks and praise. The word praise in our text is translated from a Hebrew word that is defined as laudation. It was a song of praise that was actually meant, as used as a technical term, for a song that exalts God. That kind of song should not only be on your lips, but it should be in your heart. 150 years ago, it was normal practice. As young men would go off to college to study for the ministry, and then they would go on to a seminary. And in seminary, they'd be taught music. They'd be taught how to connect the dots, I guess. You know, you've got the dot-to-dot thing there on the music. I, I can't read music, but They've got the music. They learn how to read the music, how to write music, and everything. And as a result of that, much of those old hymns are very powerful in doctrine because men studying the Word were writing them. Today, what do we get? Well, I did this, and I did that, and I did this, and all oh, the testimony. Oh, this is my failure. Oh, this is my good thing. And at the end of the song, they say, <clears throat> but God gave me the victory. And I got victory. Praise God, I got victory. And that's it. But when Jesus healed people, they turned and the people of that day would praise him for the healing. What a difference that is. We need to understand that even in our music, it's important. That's why you have a hymnal. It's important to read those words. Hymnals can have words in them that are not doctrinal. But this Bible is always, always right. That's why I said sing to you in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Tell others. They said there, again, introduce uh, gates with thanksgiving, that's how you approach God. You come in there giving Him thanks. And into His courts with praise, you praise Him. And you're thankful unto Him. And you bless His name. How do you bless His name? You tell others what God has done for you. We have a 30-second testimony meeting tonight. You tell others what God has done for you. Or you can just not say a word and make people think God doesn't do anything for you. 
And you know what's funny about that to me? If it wasn't sad, it'd be funny. Christianity certainly isn't boring. Christianity is not boring. Not at all. So no, the Lord is, is God. Know how to, pray, to approach Him in thanksgiving and praise. But know why. Know why is the next thing. The Lord is God. Verse 5. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth to all generations. Know why the Lord is good. The Lord is good because His mercy does endure to all generations. It's everlasting. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration, by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. He is good because we could not earn salvation. So Almighty God, in the person of His Son, came to this earth and took on human flesh and a human spirit in order to pay a penalty that I owed and could not pay. I could not earn that salvation. My lot was to be separated from God forever. That was the penalty. And I would be tormented in that lake of fire forever and ever and ever. It's by His mercy that He does not give me that. And he provided a way of salvation. No, we could not pay the penalty. Do you realize that even if you could die, shed your blood, be buried, and raise yourself from the dead, and ascend into heaven, your blood still would not be acceptable on his mercy seat. It had to be perfect blood. Now, you can't do those other things, let alone apply blood to his mercy seat. That's why every one of us need a Savior, preacher especially. Everyone needs a Savior. We just simply couldn't pay the penalty. He washed us from our sins in His own blood on the cross. That washing regenerated our spirit that we can be accepted into heaven with eternal life there. Instead of living in eternal death, where you're tormented day and night forever and ever. Again, that's his mercy. That is God's mercy. God's grace. God's grace is not giving, is, God's grace is giving us what we don't deserve, salvation. That's God's grace. He gives us salvation. We don't deserve that. His mercy is not giving us what we do deserve. Eternity in a lake of fire. But my loving God does not change. And those that will come to Him in repentance and faith, He will save. He'll in no wise cast you out. That's why in Revelation twenty-two seventeen, 17, uh, He's gave this word for word for the Apostle John to write that down. And the Spirit, that is the Spirit of God and the bride that saved the local church. The Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that hears say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will. Did God mean something else when he said whosoever will? 
You know, when I read the Bible, I find out that God says what he means and means what he says. Whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. That is God's promise. So my friend, God does not change. And because God does not change, his truth endures through all generations. And what's important about that? Hebrews 6.18. God who cannot lie. <laughs> he doesn't lie. Now, for him to say that if you come to him, he would have no wise cast out, he'd have to lie, wouldn't he? For him to say, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, to, to not receive you then, you'd have to lie, he'd have to lie. For as many as received him to them, gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, for him not to save you when you want to receive him, then he'd have to lie. Revelation 22, 17 that we just quoted. To say come, then you come, and then he rejects you. He'd have to lie. My God doesn't lie. I don't know about the one you have, but that's not the God of the Bible. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. That's another Jesus that you're talking about if he does. We know God is good because he keeps his promises, and they are always, always, always kept. That's why you can, and I can thank him. He keeps his promises. I don't deserve to go to heaven even since I've been saved. But he saved me. If you come today to him in repentance and faith, he will save you. But you must come to him. But you know what I'm thankful for? In telling you that, I'm thankful that I can say that with 100% assurance, that if you do come to him, you can walk out of this auditorium today or those listening by radio or internet can that moment receive him and he will at that moment save them, cleanse them, forgive them, cleansing from all unrighteousness and begin that little place up there preparing a place for them. And we can honestly thank the Lord for that because he said, whosoever will. Why well, thank the Lord? I thank him because he saved me. I thank him because when I mess up, he'll forgive me. If I'll confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I'm thankful that when I've done somebody wrong and I go to them and they we get it right, he, he forgives me. I'm thankful because when I decide I'm going to give something to the Lord's work, I'll still never in my entire life in eternity outgive what he's given me. Right. And you can be thankful for the same things. We don't have to be sentimental at Thanksgiving time because we have eternal realities. Your spirit's going to live forever. Is it going to live forever in hell or is it going to live forever in heaven? If it's in hell, the eternal lake of fire, that's called death because it's separated forever from God. That's what the word death means, separation. When this spirit leaves this body, it's being separated. It's either going to go to heaven or to hell. In Christ, I know it's going to heaven. 
For Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. And no man comes unto the Father but by me. If you're going to go to heaven, you must go through Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads, please.